Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 8, issue 363, This War of Mine. You can play along with the show. We have perhaps uh, lighter times ahead with the likes of Pilot Wings and Final Fantasy IX and Pony Island, the mysterious Pony Island. Following that, it's Very Doom with the 2016 Doom Slayer game. And after that, Persona 5. Canarince.com is the place to go for everything, including the schedule for the rest of the year's podcasts. As you should know by now, if you enjoy what we do and appreciate what we put into it, you can support us on Patreon for just a dollar a month, which is currently around 76p or 0.89 euros. You get all the bonus items that we can give you, which is early shows, extended shows, exclusive monthly shows, three month early format special podcasts as well. Uh, and it's worth it. It's it's just obviously worth it. Don't forget, we have other podcasts on Wednesdays. We have Sound of Play, our music podcast, video games music, that is. On Thursdays, we have Playwright with Ryan and Ryan workshopping new game ideas. And on Fridays, we have Chris O'Regan's Sausage Factory, where he interviews developers. We've got all bases covered. Subscribe, review and rate to all of our podcasts. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And we thank you for all of that. So today, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 363, are Charlotte Cutts. Hello. Hello, hello. Jacob Geller. No funny line today. Hello. <laughs> no. And we're very excited and uh, pleased to be joined by Wayne Emanuel from Four Child UK's gaming team. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you. Welcome, Wayne. So uh, before we talk about the game, uh, the War Child logo is on it, so we couldn't have a more appropriate uh, piece for you to join us for. Uh, could you just give the listeners a brief uh, idea of what you do at War Child and what, what War Child Gaming Team does and what your role is there? Just as a quick introduction, so I am the Head of Gaming Partnerships at War Child UK, um, and what we do there is we partner with studios, publishers, platforms, influencers across the entire sector um, to raise awareness and funds to support children who have been affected by conflict. Um, to date, we've raised around 4.3 million um, just from gaming activations. So it's Amazing. proving successful. Um, and simply put, War Child just believe that there are, that no child should be torn apart um, by war effectively. So um, the reality is that children make up around um, half of those who are affected by conflict, um, and yet less than 5% of humanitarian aid is specifically spent on them. Um, mm. Roughly, it's about one in six children globally are affected by conflict, which is around 250 million children. Um, and when war kind of engulfs a society, whether it's past or present, um, children are always at an increased risk. Um, these risks kind of raise from uh, sexually um, exploited, and it's not just girls, it's boys as well. Obviously, mm -hmm. violence, separation from families, as you kind of see in this war of mine, lack of education, child labor, witnessing horrific acts, um, etc. Um, and those kind of experiences change over time as they get older. It changes depending on the genders and the dynamics of conflict. Um, so what, what Watch actually does is they come in and we kind of focus on four key areas, protection, education, livelihood, and advocacy. And we're a specialist agency. Um, and so we, we spe specifically kind of focus on creating child-friendly spaces. So it's kind of areas where children can go in and play and meet other children. Um, we create um, methods of 
continued learning, especially if you've been displaced. Obviously, you can't go to school anymore, so we invest heavily on um, uh, education. And one cool project we're using in uh, now Jordan is a program called Can't Wait to Learn. And the idea of that is actually using mini games um, to help children continue learning. Uh, we've got food security, reintegration programs, um, and a big kind of focus this year is around um, helping ex-child soldiers um, or children who've been uh, associated with armed forces, armed groups, and also providing mm -hmm. a lot of kind of mental health and psychosocial support. So that's what War Child does in a nutshell, uh, in a nutshell and in terms of... Um, my role, it's kind of working with video game partners to help raise awareness of all of that and raise income. Absolutely. Amazing work. And we're very proud to say that uh, you approached us earlier this year to talk about doing some stuff together. And the first the first of which is this, really. So yeah. um, it, it, works, uh, it works well in so many ways. So this war of mine, uh, as I say, the game is... Uh, carries the the War Child logo on the front. Uh, it's a single player survival game for those who don't know, inspired by the poor living conditions of wartime atrocities that Bosnian civilians endured during the ninety two to ninety six siege of Sarajevo, the longest city siege since World War Two. It was developed by Eleven Bit Studios uh, from a concept, and I apologise for my Polish pronunciations, but uh, Gregor Mikowski, I think, or there or thereabouts. Uh, who'd actually uh, been in the industry for some time, having been the animator all the way back on uh, Teen Agent, which is sort of cult classic mid-90s um, point-and-click adventure, was also the designer on that game, uh, and has worked on bits and bobs here and there all over, worth looking up his CV. This, the designer is Mikhail Drozdowski, excuse me again, uh, who is uh, obviously more recently worked on last year's Frostpunk for the same developer. Actually, if you trace his CV back, it goes to uh, some possibly something of a, an atrocity in its own right. Knight Rider 2, the game, 2004. Uh, I haven't played it, so that's probably deeply unfair. But he also started out as, a, as an artist and, of course, has been uh, with this studio working on the Anomaly games, Anomaly to Anomaly Korea, Anomaly Warzone Earth, which uh, one of those series that I don't have any experience of, but uh, I know have a strong kind of cult following uh, and a fan base. The game came out on PC and Mac initially, way back, actually, surprisingly long time ago, I think, uh, worldwide in November 2014. Uh, it was leaked, unlicensed copies were made available online but uh, the developer's response to us to post a number of working steam keys encouraging downloaders to share them with friends and buy the game if their financial situation allowed uh, which i think was a, a a nice way to handle that situation um, a scenario editor was later added into the game in 1.3 which allows you to create and select survivors these options carry over into the console versions as well uh, where you can also tweak the environmental conditions and the length of the conflicts and um, uh, make your make your experience slightly less cruel or really scale it all the way up to totally uh, just inhumanly depressing and difficult. Uh, there was also player-created content, uh, which is released on the PC version. This is, you can play that via Steam as of update 2.0 it worked quite well i believe as a handheld game which came out on android and ios in july 2015 and then it came over to console first in Ju uh, january sorry 2016 
on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and which included uh, the little ones. Obviously, Wayne talking about children there. Actually, the initial game didn't include children, but uh, with that update, uh, that was also brought into the PC version in the summer of 2016, which adds uh, children into the mix. Uh, an emotive, but I think quite a, an effective way of uh, selling the experience and, and adding a whole other dynamic. We'll, we'll come to that. And the game most recently arrived on Nintendo Switch in complete edition form with a physical release as well, November 2018. Uh, it's yeah exclusively for the Switch, uh, Switch known as Complete Edition. Uh, compiles all the content up to that point with the original base game, the anniversary edition content, the little ones, and the episodic uh, follow-ups, Father's Promise, um, the last broadcast, and there's still one to come, I believe. Uh, as I say, Deep Silver released a cartridge in a box as well. Uh, the game reviewed, and I remember these at the time, the PC version reviewed well with 84% from 39 outlets. The console version reviewed slightly less well with 77%. I'm going to assume that was more to do with the control methods than uh, interface than anything, but we'll talk about that. Uh, the reviews were uh, pretty positive, as I say, including quotes such as this war of mine is a gripping survival sim and a great study of survival during wartime and civil collapse from IGN. Uh, its world always has its boot to your throat, said PC Gamer, slowly increasing the pressure until the inevitable moment where the life is drained from you. There is no happy ending. And that's the point. Uh, it's debatable. I mean... We'll come on to that. Uh, the Game Awards uh, nominated for the 2014 Games for Change Award. And in 2016, it was nominated for the I'm Not Crying, There's Something in My Eye Award. <laughs> Sales, we don't know because it's mainly been a digital release, but they did release a uh, an infographic soon after the game came out saying that it took just two days of it being on sale to cover the cost of the game's development with 3.7 million people reading about the game on Steam. Uh, the game sold in 92 countries, including such far-flung locations as the Faroe Islands, Jamaica and Zimbabwe. Uh, user reviews, 96% positive, which is still true to this day. Uh, average player between 25 and 34 years old. Uh, less than 11% at the time of this infographic managed to see the end of the war. Remember, war is hell, spread the world and support war child, they said. Uh, and a quote from the developer at the time was, of course, we're happy with commercial success, but most of all, we're happy with great feedback from gamers and from reviewers. Uh, that was uh, Pavel Mikovsky talking to Eurogamer. So let's talk about our histories. Uh, when did you first hear of the game and when did you play it and in sort of what way have you played it and on what? Let's start with our guest, Wayne. Um, so funnily enough, the way I started playing this game was, um, it kind of led me to get my job at Warchild. Um, mm. so, uh, just a quick history. So I used to work in digital advertising and partnerships, uh, at a couple of mobile game studios. So I was at first King, the guys who made Candy Crush. And then after that, I was a Rovio right. who made Angry Birds. Yeah. And I left there 20, end of 2015. And then... Early 2016, came across this role at Warchild, um, interviewed for it, and then as as I was doing research for it, came across that Warchild had worked with This War of Mine, and they worked on this Warchild DLC. And what really kind of surprised me was when I looked into the Steam reviews, which is sometimes can be like, you know, the worst <laughs> thing to look at, it was like really positive. 
and I kind of thought, wow, there's something special there. I've, I've not really seen this really done before. Um, and I've never seen positive um, user feedback on something like this kind of charity collaboration before. So um, yeah. fast forward three years and yeah, that's kind of why I'm now at Warchild. But when I first joined, I think I played a bit of the PC version um, back in 2016 and then also uh, bought it on Android. So I played the mobile version a bit. Uh, right. Then it was on PlayStation Plus. So when I started playing it for this review, um, I played it mostly on there but then decided to go back to PC uh, and right. completed that version. So most recently, that's the version I've been playing the most of. But And I, I can, you know, I guess at some point we'll probably talk about the different um, platforms yes, and how we feel about for each sure. one. It's great that you've got the experience of uh, going across there because I'm not sure the rest of us will have. Uh, I know I haven't. Charlotte, how about you? I think you've been playing this on console, right? Um, yeah, I've been playing this on PlayStation 4 um, exclusively. And how I found out about this game really was because it was on PS Plus. I think I might mm -hmm. have heard of it before then, but I'm not entirely sure. And it was one of these games where it wasn't really the headliner grabbed my attention that month for PS Plus, but was rather one of the extras where I thought, oh, that's nice. I'll check that out at some point. And as things go, I just never ended up checking it out. But I yeah. sort of learned through osmosis a bit of the history of the game and how it covers extremely important themes. And I did want mm. to get to it at some point. So the fact that it was on our list for Kane and Rince meant that I decided to go and play it. So um, I didn't really play it much before preparing for Kane and Rince, but I'm very, very glad that Kane and Rince gave me the nudge to go and play it. Excellent. Jacob, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm similar to Charlotte in that um, I knew this game existed. I, I remember when it came out, um, I think maybe because like the title itself is so striking that that I just kind of saw saw reviews of this and I was like, oh, that's that sounds interesting. And it was always on my list of like, I should play that, you know, it just it just feels important. And I feel like I should play that. But as as with you know sad movies and other things i never really i never really felt like playing it there was always something yeah. a little more joyful um and yeah. so i was i was happy to see myself on the list for this episode because it because it gave me the kick in the pants that i needed to actually mm -hmm. just sit down and go through it and and so i've played over the past little bits at a time over the past couple months yeah. um and yes here i am today Fabulous. Yes, I do remember this arriving on PC and, and getting good reviews. And I remember adding it to my Steam wish list. And I think I had a similar kind of thing to you, Jacob, which was that this sounds very worthy, worthwhile, uh, important. But do I want to spend money on this misery and play it? I don't know. Do I? Um, so in the end, uh, I never actually got around to buying that version. Ended up like Charlotte with the PlayStation 4 version on PS Plus. I was a little confused at first because it was as it, it came out dubbed subtitled the little ones and i thought is this a separate game uh it, it, does it include the original game basically yes it does it's the original game plus extra scenarios that involve children or the chance of you starting a scenario with children involved so it's not like you're missing out by not playing the vanilla uh the vanilla game so yes that's the one i played and uh yes i did manage to uh see it through to the ceasefire in one game but not in all of them um <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, and well, 
yes, I'll, I'll say whether what I think about it in my summary, I guess, but um, I might, might give little clues along the way as we do. Um, but I suppose the first question I wanted to ask of you, the panel, really was, I, I, we've sort of covered it there with our, with our history with the game, but something yeah just emotional really how does it how did you feel sort of going into this game is it a is it a concept that excites you did you feel any trepidation did you kind of have to steel yourself to play it i don't know any 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 strong feelings beyond i was never in the mood um, and it was only doing this podcast that got me to play it wayne uh, you played it first so it sounds like you did it more out of choice than the, than the rest of us so. <laughs> um yeah i think so i mean maybe i didn't touch on this but um I didn't, I think I was aware of the game beforehand, before um, I worked at Warchild, and I, I'm pretty sure when I was doing the research, it was a title that I had thought about getting, but I hadn't purchased it at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, that, and I think this is kind of what you're hinting towards, Leon, it's one of these titles that um, it's, it, it, it doesn't fill you with dread, but it's it's one of those titles that you can feel that you might struggle to kind of get yourself to to sit down and 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 play because the subject is mm. is so heavy um yeah. and i guess the the reality of of it though is that it's it's kind of true to its purpose um yeah so yeah i think it it is a difficult title to to actually start getting into but i think when you do uh it's it does get better and i think when you start understanding the mechanics of the game um, and really kind of learning the differences between the characters, I think that's when it really starts to pick up. Um, that's how mm. I found it, though. Yeah, that's interesting, because especially for you, who you are, you know, you're working for Warchild, and I, I assume, well, maybe maybe it's not for me to assume, but I would assume that most of your positive, your, your sorry, your daily moment-to-moment -moment work experience is positive, even though you're working for this amazing cause, but which is ultimately born out of, horrors you know true true atrocities in the world right your your actual you know you're doing something valuable and worthwhile and you're working with people and um creative and and progressive types to do good things so there's that reward yeah. is that you know is is there something about then going home to play a game that's actually about the subject that you're kind of working in and around is it is it more or less daunting would you say than a regular punter like me um <laughs> that's a great question um Partially, I imagine so. I, I think there's some truth in that, in that it's there, you know, I do hear, and as part of the work they do, you know, you hear some yeah. horrific stories um, sometimes. But as you say, the the bulk of my work, I would say, is working with game studios and kind of talking about the positive side of things. I mean, from Warchild's perspective, what we try to do differently, at least kind of media wise, is always push positive stories. Um, mm. You're kind of, if you ever, look at the the Warchild website or any of the videos or creative that we work on. We never depict children kind of looking destitute or uh, in torn clothes oh, or okay. any of those kind of conditions. We always try and push them uh, to show this is actual the impact and the aftermath of the work that people do and, and the positive outcomes. So it's not, right. it's not that, it's not like it's always doom and gloom <laughs> at all. No. It's, it's not. Sure. Um, but I think there is definitely something to be said, I think, with the title. And and I think mm. when we probably come onto the aesthetics and the visuals, mm. Um, mm. I think the game purposefully wants you to feel some of that dread. Um, yeah. 
Absolutely. Charlotte, what were your feelings? Uh, you know, we've um, we've all got our own, you know, challenges in life. And some t sometimes we use video games for pure escapism and fantasy and whatever else. And perhaps, you know, those of us, I think, you know, everyone on Cana Rince um, is somebody with a social conscience. And so perhaps has things, you know, the horrors of the world in our minds, perhaps at the forefront a lot of the time anyway. So maybe we're not even the kind of people who, quote, need to play this game. You know, maybe we're maybe we're already kind of aware enough and we don't need to subject ourselves to this stuff or do you think there is a value do you feel personally for you that there is a value in engaging with this kind of material in a gaming yeah as a game i think there's definitely um even though i agree that cane and rinse people who are involved in cane and rinse tend to think about these issues quite in depth because we do um approach games from the sociological perspective more than perhaps mm. the average gamer but um, yeah, I still think it's important for us to play games like this because I am guilty in the past of purely wanting to use games as an escapist, um, sort of as a form of escapism. And while that is really good and I... No shame in it. Yeah, I do see the value in wanting to just go into some sort of fantastical universe and completely Absolutely. distract myself. I think mm. it is still worth um, using games as a medium to sort of address issues where we've perhaps not put enough thought into them. I mean, I just Learn wanted to pick world. up on what um, what Wayne was saying about how um, it's not all doom and gloom. And that really does shine through in the game because there are moments of sort of levity where, for example, um, if you've got a, a child in your group who where the child might say, oh boy, I hope we can eat pizza tonight or something. And it's really like, there's little moments like that where there is some... Um, Sort but of. there's no pizza, Charlotte. There's no pizza. <laughs> I know, and it's sad, but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> it shows that like... Humanity, yeah. Humanity, and that even though these... It, it's like shows you that when you see people who are um, suffering from the effects of war on the news, you tend to think of them as other and not sometimes not even really as similar to you because it's yeah. such a, a foreign experience to you. But then you see that the kids who are um, in the middle of this war still want to have pizza and still want Absolutely. to um, hang out with their friends and, and things like that. So it, there was perspectives to the game that really questioned my own thoughts on things like war. So I think even though we we do have um, definitely have a social conscience on Kane and Rins, I still think it's worth playing games like this just to question your own thoughts and to sort of, you know, assess your own thought patterns. Yeah, agreed. E even as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, and I was genuinely terrified of the prospect of global nuclear apocalypse, um, I've been, you know, incredibly lucky in my life living in the UK for 47 years. And I've never had to experience these hardships. And I definitely felt as a kid at that same time growing up that when you saw footage of uh, children in other places, that it did feel like a billion miles away. And it was hard to empathise with these people on the on the TV screen um, or in the newspapers. And I think that's a that is a problem that some people still really seem to have that mm. lack of empathy, that almost psych sociopathic lack of. Uh, and I, I think that's actually something that in the modern world, social media has actually is doing something to address for all its ill, you know, evils and wrongs and, and the way people use it in such a negative way. I think it is putting people closer together and making people real, helping people realise that we're all just human beings 
obviously yeah. it's a huge topic and i bet jacob you have something to say about that. <laughs> sure i mean i think i think one of the things that it does really intentionally is is it gives you almost no details on the conflict and so you can't think about it in terms of sides you know like yeah. like mm -hmm. in in our kind of storytelling driven world in every conflict you're kind of supposed to pick pick which side you're on you know if it's mm -hmm. if it's reporting on palestine or if it's on syria or whatever like mm -hmm. you know that war is bad but really the part that is bad is you know this this group is doing something awful and i and i think that's valuable i mean saying everyone's bad isn't particularly productive but what what this game forces you to do by not engaging with any of that is is just saying like okay absent absent all kind of history and storytelling just think of the moment to moment of people here right now and and that is that is so different than every other game in which you are playing kind of an active participant in the broader story you know if you're a soldier you're the one that that kills the general and stops the war or whatever and there is there is nothing nearly as as heroic or as kind of like grand in this game because it doesn't it doesn't let you think on a large scale you know you you really have to just focus in on these people and i feel like that's kind of what gives it such a different vibe and and why it was so hard to make myself play it often because i yeah. couldn't i couldn't think in these kind of sweeping terms that i like to use so yes we're as you say the scenario is although we know it's a polish game based on uh, the sarajevo siege uh, the the war in the game is not uh, the 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 antagonists and protagonists whichever which are not given specific names the there are fictional names of areas and uh, things like that um but you're introduced to all these characters um which uh, increase i think as this as the game has uh, been kind of added to and enhanced but um they're a group i i haven't played with everyone so and i don't i don't claim to have remembered all their biographies but uh again sort of cementing the concept of this can happen to every man and these people are just like you they've all got different jobs i think i've in my first game i had a, a tv chef and a news reporter or a tv presenter or something uh, and a, uh, in my second game i had a football player a journalist i've had you know um just folks um with yeah just regular they're regular folks with regular jobs who happen to have ended up in the you know they 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 were born in a place that ended up in a in a military conflict um and that in itself i think uh, sort of again helps there's no there's no trained soldiers here there's no heroes these are all people trying to scratch out uh, a living with what they've got around them basically yeah uh, one of the if i if i can butt in here i think one of the most striking characters for me and i forget her name but she was a lawyer from a rich family before the war broke out um. and um it sort of her biography details how her um, family's wealth sort of allowed her to sort of um, live in more sort of comfortable in a way, not so comfortable, but sort of above average conditions for a little while. But then mm. things still fell apart. So it sort of shows you that um, while money can help to an extent, if you're um, stuck in a, a war that um, endures for a long time, then eventually it stops helping you 
that's uh, Amelia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the talented lawyer uh, who is addicted to coffee. Mm. One of the things that I think is interesting is um, it's not it's not like Apex Legends. It's like not everyone is equally viable. <laughs> you know, you you get these people, Very and true. and if I could have you know if I could have a team of all Pavels, like that would be more mm. effective <laughs> than what I got. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Where they're not. They're not trying to make people like balanced where it's like, oh, everyone is equally helpful. It's like, you know, no. some a, a football player is in many ways much more useful for scavenging than than, you know, whoever else might be in this. And they all do have talents and interests and, and you know, things that you can that make them valuable. But they're not. It's it's not like you've got kind of a winning hand no matter what you have. It seems like some people really just do have superior skills. Yeah, I think some some people, you know, again to be cruel and brutal about it, some people could be considered more of a, a drain than a benefit. Yes. Um I mean actually it's quite kind, I would say in the it, or you know, arguably it slightly glosses over the idea that you might have elderly or infirm people. Um, mm -hmm. as, as far as I know, there's nobody who ticks that, those boxes. Um, everyone's got at least eight up to 15 inventory slots and they, they can all go out. They can all go foraging, scavenging. Um, they, some of them can't be put on guard, though, which is in, or have no capability of guarding from raids and things like that. Um, you have to, <laughs> I mean, one of the interesting things that, that defines the different characters is their level of empathy. Um, you know, and of course, I mean, that's an interesting thing in itself. It would be very easy to make all these people, because they are in one way being portrayed as victims, make them all very, you know, likable, lovable. Some of them are sociopathic, you know, so like Amelia. Um, some of them get depressed much more easily and quickly. Some of them are argumentative. Um, some of them care or not care more, but they prioritize their personal addictions to smoking or, or coffee over uh over other people's need for food and things like that or at least they do you know in in text bubbles and stuff so yeah it, that, i mean that's just a great i think uh sort of window on where this game kind of starts you off in yeah i mean i suppose we should say you, you know to describe the scene i think there will be people who listen to this one who haven't played the game um you're given a dwelling uh perhaps perhaps a house you could call it uh but it's it's rickety and run down and uh, it's missing a lot of basic uh things uh, i think they're sem semi procedurally generated because they're always a bit different each time um so if you start another scenario or it might be they with the with the preset scenarios it might be that they're they're kind of pre-designed i'm not sure but certainly there are different layouts so it doesn't get so boring that you know you always need to bolt that door and dig through that pile of rubble and, and yada 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 but you start with you start with a house that's full of rubble and some bits and maybe some useful bits and bobs, but it soon becomes apparent that you need to secure this place, clean it up, uh, build things, add things into it, cookers and heaters and, and whatever else. Uh, and yeah, it's a side-on 2D view. It's um, Ironically, it reminds me of, uh, there was an 80s game called uh, Little Computer People, which was a very cute thing. <laughs> we had little kind of um, Tamagotchi or Sims style people living in this computer house. And it was all very nice. It was very clever. Um, but, uh, but it's kind of that sort of view. You've got these people. And if you're not specifically controlling 
one of the characters at a time. I think you can have up to five in the house at any one time. Is that right? Between between two and five. Um, well, you can end up obviously with less than two if you're if you're particularly careless. Um, and the others will kind of, you know, at least wander around and do their own thing um, without using up any resources. But they will the child the children will play the hum- the the adults will sit or sleep and and things like that. So. Um, but yeah, well, I suppose that kind of brings us on to the visuals. Uh, it's pretty stark. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a kind of a pencil sketching effect which can has two settings, either really sketchy or slightly sketchy. Um, I don't know if on PC maybe you can do more with the graphics than on PS4, uh, but the color palette is extremely uh, washed out, uh, dull. Um, it's not bright. It's bleak, uh, grays and browns and. Um, pretty functional but you know the animations are serviceable and things like that it's not i don't think it's a game that one would describe as beautiful though i suppose it has a kind of blown out attraction to it but um but it's another thing to make you think um here we go um what did you guys think about the look of the game Uh, let's talk graphics in a traditional video game way uh wayne yeah i think it it the style that it's gone for, and I guess it kind of looks to me kind of cell shaded almost. Mm. Um, it's got kind of that thick borderline cell shaded look to it, but obviously on a 2D plane. Um, and as you say, yeah, it's it's kind of, I guess it's supposed to be almost dreary um, because you're obviously you're set in, you're in your house or kind of place wherever you're residing in and everything around you is bleak. And I think that's kind of what they wanted to recreate that kind of feeling of bleakness um i mean which i'm not sure if if this is well known but actually the characters uh themselves uh and the the photos are all based off stuff at 11 bit studios Mm. Um, i I assumed as much yes and also um all of the characters the in-game characters are based off scans of them as well so i think they they wanted it to kind of look and feel uh like a, a like a, this could be anyone basically um mm-hmm. this could yeah. be you or, or i effectively so and i think they really kind of nailed that look it didn't it didn't feel foreign um i think as you were saying earlier it's it's not mm. it they're not basing it on a particular region it is inspired by the conflict in sarajevo but this could this could happen potentially here um so yeah i think they've really kind of nailed that gritty look to it um mm. but it's not visually demanding at all i mean i when i was playing it on my mac um yeah which is a pretty old 2013 mac um it was able to run perfectly and i think the visual settings are the same as well um as ps4 in terms of like the stylized the kind of the sketchy look and whatnot yeah I was just going to say, it's pretty relentless in its graphical style. Like, you Mm. do not get... (laughs) There there really isn't anything other than the than the gray <laughs> you know there's yeah there's never kind of like a beam of sunshine that comes through or whatever occasionally there are there are fires um that that highlight it more so but it is yeah if you don't kind of get on with that color color palette or at least can can kind of stand it then <laughs> it's not gonna change you know it's yeah. it's that for the whole way through it's not like Oh, I've survived 18 days. Now I can go to the shopping mall. It's really bright and fun and friendly in there. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's full of armed soldiers and potential murderers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, 
Charlotte, how did you feel about the game visibly? Uh, I understand you may have had some technical issues playing on console. Yeah. Um, so visually, um, before I get to the technical issue mm. that I had, um, one of the most striking things about the style for me was the complete, I think pretty much complete lack of blood or red tones, which for a, a oh. game about war, I mean, if you compare it with the standard games about war, for example, Wolfenstein games, where it's right. all red, practically all red. Um, in mm. this game, there is pretty much, from my memory, zero red. So when characters die, yeah. it cuts to black. And I feel like mm. um, without putting um, thoughts into the creators' heads, I feel like that might have been because um, that sort of the emphasis was that war might be um, about people getting killed in battle. That might That's an aspect of war. But the thing that people often don't think about is the... The depress, the oppressive feeling, and um, the struggle that people have to just live a day to day existence during war, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, you know, surviving um, a lack of food, a lack of medications, you know, that's sort of the focus of the game. So if it had blood and all this red in it, it would sort of de- detract from the the central point of the game. I think mm. so. That was really mm. striking for me. The the one bit of color that flashes into my head when I think about the game. Is and yeah. I think I'll touch on this because it really upset me. Like in a in in a way that it got to me was that when you're playing the little ones DLC, um, and you have these little um, event bubbles that happen between days yeah. when something's happened mm-hmm. overnight. And I remember the imaginary friend one. If one of your children was not um, had not talked to anybody for a while, and I remember it being a really colorful child's drawing. And I'll talk a little bit more perhaps later on if we have time about why the whole imaginary friend event sort of really got Definitely. to me the most out of a lot of different things in the game. But that's like a flash of color that's really stuck in my head. Mm. Um, so the technical issue that I had is, um, and it's a really minor one, but I don't have the best TV. My TV is quite small. And yep. I played this on my my boyfriend's TV as well. And his is a little bit bigger than mine. But um, the the game is dense with text. It's it's screenfuls of text a lot of the time. And so yeah. if you're playing it on PS4 and you don't have a very big TV screen, you might struggle to read some of the text. Mm. Um, so even though it's not a technically demanding game, um, that doesn't mean that you can play it for, at least on PS4 on a right. a very small yeah. screen. So just take that into consideration. I imagine it's the same on Xbox as well. I was playing it on a on a decent sized screen and so it wasn't an issue what's it like on uh when you played it on phone even was it uh does yeah. it cope it, it's, it's kind of not too dissimilar to the pc uh version i think mm. if, before we move on to kind of the technical side of things um like visually you can kind of you kind of pinch to zoom in um which i found a right. lot easier to do than when i was playing on ps4 um mm. and that was kind of one of the technical challenges i was having on that platform um, and it Clicking was sticks and stuff. Yeah, and also, yeah, just also being able to read text. Um, and I was playing right. that on a, I don't know how big my uh, TV is. I think my TV is like fifty-five inch, and I was also having those that's issues. Quite big. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a uh, can be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Hmm. Um, audio obviously uh, goes hand in hand. Part of the aesthetic. I would say that uh, it feels absolutely uh, beautifully married to the visual aesthetic in that it's uh, it's pretty grey, it's pretty bleak, uh, it's very understated. 
there is a rate if, if you make yourself a radio and you will almost certainly want to do this fairly early after you've made a couple of other uh, key items uh, you can tune it into uh, either a classical station or a pop station which gives you a little bit of uh, respite as it does the characters I, I assume it does something in the background to alleviate their mood if you leave it on music i'm, I'm not 100 percent on that I, I assume that's in there um but otherwise i the the noise that i come away kind of thinking of really is the apart from the you know the, the obvious sound effects of of digging things occasionally going somewhere where it's raining or whatever it's the amplified white noise effect that happens when you go somewhere that you shouldn't be that's the noise that stays with me it's almost silent hill like um in its uh, sort of ability to engender fear i felt uh going scavenging going looking for stuff and finding yourself in places where there are people who you know will not hesitate to see you off their property in some way or another that's kind of uh yeah that um increasing kind of white noise effect is the one that stayed with me uh, how did you guys feel about the the use of audio in this war of mine i thought um i thought the the music musical touches that it had were very effective um I think of it almost kind of like the Last of Us guitar. You know, I was going to say that, yeah. yeah just, totally. just a couple, a couple little string plucks, and and as this is a game that you'll probably play for a pretty long time, and and I think probably didn't have the biggest development team in the world. It's a it's a good compromise where I never got tired of it. It never felt like it was overbearing. Um, it was just kind of like a little a little something to to break up the tedium, but not something that made itself too front and center um like i was gonna say i i didn't always play this with the game sound up i played mm. some of this game with podcasts on and spotify yeah. on the ps4 uh partly mm -hmm. to help the yeah. not because the sound was boring but just to actually no, no. lift lift my spirits a little yeah that's the thing actually um i did play it with the sound on at first and i thought that the sound and the um audio uh design in general was very good but I felt like it was just, it was just too much bleakness at once. I had to have something yeah. in the background yeah. as a little bit of a distraction, just to sort of mm -hmm. get me through the game. So I did listen to podcasts quite a lot, I have to admit. Um, but yeah, I feel like the sound design was um, very effective. That wasn't why I didn't listen to it at all. It's just that, sure too um, effective, if anything. Too effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. I was playing it with my my Sony headphones on and and uh yeah, it was um went with with the in-game sound on it's um it does add a whole level of claustrophobia and oppression to it. Wayne, how how did you handle this yourself? Yeah, I I, I kind of have similar thoughts in that I I find that it's it's kind of eerie in its soundtrack, um very minimalist um sound-wise uh and yeah, I that the last of us um thoughts yeah that's kind of nails it i think um yeah i kind of listened to when i was playing on ps4 i definitely had the music on i think when i was playing through pc more recently to kind of finish it um i may have switched the sound off uh and had other things on the background on in in the background but um i mm. thought it was competent i think it's totally competent um the the things that stick out for me is and it does happen uh what happened to me quite a bit um because yeah. i failed the scenarios uh, a number of times and that was from mm. getting shot um unfortunately by 
accidentally raiding um, someone's uh, stock yes, of goods. Yeah. Um, mm. And I remember that uh, because a lot of times that uh, when that happened, it felt like it kind of it, people turned on me quite quickly. And I know that that's, you know, different characters react um, to you differently at different um, times throughout the game. Um, and I always found that quite shocking because I, the way how I personally played through the game, I tried to sneak through everything and I tried not to upset anyone when I was scavenging. Um, yeah. So when characters did kind of turn on me, that was quite harrowing. But um, yeah, aside from that, I, I, yeah, I thought they, I thought they did what the best they could. Um, and from what I can recall, I don't remember there being that kind of many memorable kind of pieces obviously when you start the game there's um there's kind of some there's a uh kind of like an ambient track that plays in the background but yeah there isn't really anything too memorable and i think for certain other games maybe that that could be its detriment but i think for this particular title i think it i think it works i think it i think it's fine as it is yeah i think even when you make it to the ceasefire there's very little it may be a little uh a little something but it certainly doesn't you know, immediately start playing Ode to Joy or anything like that. No, it would be horribly misjudged. There's no I celebration do... <laughs> music. Um, yeah. I do want to note that I also, I found this almost unbearable without a podcast or a video or something going right. on in the background. Like I just, I just could not play it on its own because of, because of the subject matter. So I'm not, I'm not like the only one who is pure in this room. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, let's hear from our first forum correspondent for this uh, show. We've got the Baboon Baron, who says, This war of mine isn't fun, it isn't fair, and it isn't pretty. And that's a good thing. For all of our FPS or third-person run-and-guns, few games capture what war is actually like. And if I'm honest, I've no idea what war is actually like. But games like this and Spec Ops The Line capture brief glints of what true hell on earth is. This war of mine starts with throwing together a ragtag few survivors with different characteristics and attributes completely at random, something that immediately immersed me into the war-torn environment. Though this dice roll really can make or break your game, or should I say games, as I found myself constantly restarting as I ran out of resources as my survivors died or they were plagued by illness. True to this random nature, the hows and whys of survival are not clear, with resources often being wasted or accidentally destroyed. But once you've got to grips with the game, it's clear that some of, its diff- some of this difficulty is due to poor design with awkward controls that often resulted in beds being destroyed for firewood when all I really wanted was my survivor to get a couple of hours kip. Though the true gut punch is the weight of melancholy and hopelessness. Every one of my attempted playthroughs resulted in death, suicide, murder, theft, illness, starvation, malnutrition or other horrors once far removed from my cosy living room. And all of these nightmares were delivered very powerfully. Actions will affect others. Characters will lament mistakes. There is never enough food to go around. This war of mine paints miniature stories of self-sacrifice and selfishness elegantly and cruelly. As your characters succumb to depression and malnutrition, they slow down to a miserable shuffle, taking agonising minutes to do anything. It really captures the unending sorrow of a city at war. But, and it's a big but, this is still a video game. And in that sense, this war of mine trips and stumbles. All this misery is fine if you want to wallow in your own sadness, but the mechanics and controls are quite obtuse, making quick and permadeath a common occurrence. While status effects paint a powerful picture, you'll be bored soon after you're moved by your survivor's plight. 
Similarly, setting up, building or in any way interacting with items is long, drawn out and often dull affair. An interesting and moving game, it unfortunately doesn't hold up on repeated playthroughs. That said, I would point to it as an important curio in gaming. Not for the game part, rather the scene setting and decision making elements are quite fascinating in their bleakness. If you have a copy, I would recommend you play it, but it's a shame that sorrow and reflection is so quickly followed by boredom and frustration. Okay, so that's Baboon Baron's take on it, which is a, a curious thing in itself to say, you know, found the <laughs> game boring, frustrating, random, and yet you should play it, uh, which is a very Kane and Rince kind of review, actually. Um, what I would say is that um, sort of bouncing off of that, um, feel free people to just go ahead in a moment and, and sum up your feelings about the gameplay holistically without breaking it down into little bits if you want. But I would say there is something to be said for this being, I know David Cage has said it, Quantic Dream, like playing a game once through and then that's your experience and never again. Now, this game is quite systems heavy. It is strategic and tactical. It's got stealth in it. It's got resource management. It's got lots of gamey game things. But actually, your first game is the one where you'll mess up, you'll mess up from the start, you'll mess up over and over again, and you'll all die. Mm. And in fact, that's possibly the most accurate and powerful, because replaying the scenario, I mean, I suppose, you know, if you, if you were to survive a certain amount of time in this scenario, in, in a real situation, you would learn some of the skills that you needed to go forward. But in real life, whenever I see, even whether it's a, a drama based on a scenario like this, or it's a zombie apocalypse fantasy thing... I don't know how to hotwire a car. I don't know how to siphon petrol. I don't know how to build anything. I'd be, I'd be dead. You know, I'd, 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 I'd be, I'd be hosed unless I knew, unless I got in with the right people. So in a way, that first game where I think I lasted about two weeks before everyone got depressed and died of various things or got killed at night or got killed going out looking for, you know, to try to do some sex work in, in exchange for food. That was like, it was horrible, but it felt right. I completely agree with that. Um, in the, the first couple of scenarios for me, I completely failed them. And I think, yeah, I, I think I probably got to like um, day 22 um, on the PS4 when yeah. I was playing it on that um, platform. Uh, and I, I was down to one person and was barely making it through. Um, and I think yeah. that's probably the most realistic um scenario uh mm -hmm. you could probably get to be fair you you can't always restart in life um the cards that you've been dealt and so yeah mm. i totally agree with that i mean one other thing i was thinking of and it was just based off that um the reader uh who kind of wrote in was on the forum was um and i do wonder if it's down to the platform that he played it on because he was talking about the mechanics and the um the controls um which yes. would then come into the gameplay and I, I do wonder if some of those challenges that he was having was probably based off him playing it potentially on the console version but yeah quite possibly yeah yes yeah I, I certainly had some bugs as well uh one of them was actually game breaking and it would have broken my game but for the fact that the ceasefire happened two days into one of my characters becoming completely unresponsive not because of the game reason of them becoming depressed but because i literally couldn't even select them anymore or interact with them in any way uh, a pure bug mm. um, so things like that are obviously and that's a problem because you know if you've invested a number of hours into getting to week three week four week five and then somebody just bugs out that's uh, that's kind of not acceptable really but 
uh yeah back on on that topic um jacob and charlotte what um how do you feel about the sort of that sort of slightly almost this is a this is a this is a ludo narrative dissonance thing isn't it i'm afraid um it's the repeated plays becoming you you get better at the game in a scenario that you shouldn't be able to practice as anyone who's ever played XCOM on like Iron Man knows, there are kind of right. legitimate deaths, and then it feels like they're they're BS ones. And I had yep. a couple of <laughs> those where it was like, you know, if I was if I was trying to sneak through an area with soldiers and I and I got caught, that felt legit. You know, it was like I mm. had I had made a miscalculation, but sometimes it felt like you know I I opened a cabinet that wasn't marked as someone's and and they opened fire and my character got caught on a door or whatever and maybe i mean maybe that is legit <laughs> like maybe that is something that would happen in real life but it kind of felt like um one of the things about this game is it doesn't tell you anything there is mm. there is no tutorial especially there's no combat tutorial and so y you know you usually only get into combat after a long time already and so it seems like you have to you have to learn all these rules on the fly which as leon said you know is is potentially similar to real life but in terms of playing a game it can be very frustrating to to have invested the number of hours that you put into one of these runs and then just not know how to do something that is almost vital to your success mm. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose it's one of those gamey things. Obviously, it's not truly a simulation. It's a survival game with elements of of other things of resource management and stealth. It's not a it's not a, a one to one simulation of life. But in real life, I would know how to um, at least you know um, cook some food. Whereas in this game, well, you kind of know, you kind of do know how to cook. But there's there's some quite basic stuff that like the character knows how to do, but you as the player don't necessarily immediately know how to do or how it works or how you have to collect rainwater and then keep going back to the the rainwater collector and this kind of stuff so yeah there's stuff that you have to learn in the game that you wouldn't have to learn IRL so it's not quite it's not quite a one-to-one -one with with real life in that regard um so I quite liked the fact that I um got very very gradually better at surviving because i played it through i think probably five or six different scenarios with uh, different cool. combinations of people yeah and um i i did like that um and i liked the process of getting to know the game very organically and finding stuff out by myself through yeah. um, experimentation and i particularly liked that because um what happened with me is that I got bit very badly the first couple of goes when I tried to um, engage with the combat system. So it <laughs> yeah. just completely informed the rest of the way I played the game and that it was only yes. really the last run where I even dared try proper combat. And that one time when I was in the church, I think, and I, I just stumbled across a gun and I just about made it out of the church without getting um, shot to pieces. And that mm. was such a great feeling that I managed to just by the skin of my teeth get out on time and then my characters had a gun um but um yeah i really liked the fact that it really really discourages you from um going all in with the combat but it doesn't like tell you you can't do combat you can definitely yeah. survive combat it's just that you have it it really um makes you 
practice and sort of approach it very, very carefully. Um, except for the um, old couple in the house who I just, <laughs> in one in one playthrough, just beat up and they didn't play oh, into a penny goodness. fight. So, Charlotte, I was gonna, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you all about this. So <laughs> Wayne's already said he tried to play like a good guy. We're all good people here, <laughs> but actually, I think Charlotte's done the right thing by testing the game's limits. Um, I certainly, on on my the one the game that I survived to the ceasefire, I certainly started, and this was one of the most interesting things about the game for me was that I started to make excuses for my amoral actions. So rather than so early on it's like i won't do anything bad and then after a while it was like i'll maybe um maybe if i just nick things from this end of the building and no one knows <laughs> it's like you're just kind of trying to justify your your thievery i'm not actually going to go and beat up the old people and nick all their delicious food um but charlotte you just went straight in there um took out took out those poor old people did you yeah is that was it that was it that cold-blooded um so the reason i did it is well <laughs> making excuses for myself learning about One, you because i did want to test out what would happen if you just yes. was, was okay. completely merciless mm. and I, I i chased the old guy into the bathroom it was absolutely appalling I, it's, it was really upsetting one of the most upsetting things i experienced <laughs> in the game right um, right but also because i realized at one point that the Perhaps I wanted to see if the most effective way of approaching the game was to keep raiding the same place until you'd got mm. 100%. And that yeah. seemed like a very safe place to do it because they put up no resistance. I think I, I had one experience <laughs> before right. where I'd gone to that place and um, I'd noticed that I think I'd, um, I was trying to get used to the combat. I think it might have been the first or the second time that I played the game. And I think I accidentally hit him a couple of times. And I just noticed that he wasn't putting up any fight. So I, I think something clicked in my brain. I was just like, oh, I can test this out here because they're not going to start shooting at me. Right. This is not going to stand up in a court of law. <laughs> nope. Uh, war, <laughs> war crimes. Um, yeah, I certainly made excuses. Well, I say made excuses. I was much happier. Um, I think there's one place. Maybe it's the place where... The, no, I don't think it is the brothel. It's It's one of the places where there's basically some people who... You overhear, so in the game you see speech bubbles, um, you know, conversations, and they don't seem to be, you know, nice people. So I felt much happier um, kind of working my way through their building without them noticing a bit of stealth, a bit of climbing, a bit of tunnelling, um, and and taking their stuff uh, than I did. Yeah, I, I couldn't bring myself to, to rob the old couple. But what I will say is that, yeah, I, I think I said this uh, among the team at the time, like I found the... The actual scavenging, the nighttime going out there, as tense as any survival horror I've played. You know, we played the whole Resident Evil series through in the last couple of years. There was nothing on this, this, this. You know, and and knowing that any kind of one gunshot, even you know, you can you can make yourself a, a tin helmet and and whatever else, but you're in you're in real trouble if you get shot in this game, especially if you've got no no medical supplies. It was in, yeah, just incredibly tense. And yeah, it, it's not something to feel like most games. Looting feels great, right? It's like looty, 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 loot. I'm going to loot and ka-ching, ka-ching. My numbers go up. My items go up. It's not like that. And it's like, oh, found one lot of bandages. Get in. Like, yeah, thank goodness someone will live another day. It's a completely different experience, right? Uh, what I found early on was I, I think in, in one of my first playthroughs, um, I stole something and and i came back and 
everyone in the house was just immediately depressed. They were like, oh. I can't believe that we we stole from from this couple. Do you know, I know war is bad, but is it really this bad? And yeah. and it seemed to do more damage than any good that I got out of mm. it. And so what what that kind of taught me was just like mm. in gameplay terms, it was like you know, we'll we'll get onto this, but the the mental health of your characters is as or more important than any other statistic that they have. And so I I kind of avoided it from a purely utilitarian standpoint where I was like, if I steal, everyone's going to get sad. So, you know, maybe they'll be hungry, but yeah. at least we won't be ethically compromised. Hmm. Yeah, as in real life, you you can survive a fair while without food. Um, you can survive longer without food than you can without water or sleep, certainly. Um, and it will take its toll. But yeah, I think, isn't there the... The feeling, though, that even it, my feeling was when I did things that were ethically dubious was that uh, they'll get over it once they've had a good hot meal that I've nicked for them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, or at least it will it will, you know, we can we can you can pull yourself back from this situation, but from from just dying, you know, you can't kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I had a very similar experience um, in the it, all of my earlier runs. I had experimented a bit in terms of what I could and couldn't get away with. And that's why on the scenario where I actually saw ceasefire, I did nothing bad, basically. Okay. Um, so mm. I didn't steal from anyone. Um, I never even bothered collecting weapons or ammunition um, at right. all because it was just a waste of a space in my infantry slot. Because I just, I just made sure to avoid all combat because all of my failed scenarios had been me trying to either take something from someone and they kind of saw randomly or um or i heard i had kind of gone in some place that i shouldn't have, have, have been for some reason so yeah for me it was not too dissimilar to charlotte it was kind of like i tested what i could and couldn't do and for me my mm. perfect way of playing was just to be as stealthy as possible and to be as good mm. as possible however that's not that's not reality um you know sometimes people end up having to kind of do sketchy or dubious things um things that are completely out of their yeah. control and i think for me that's what it's those kind of bits of gameplay i guess it is i guess it's the mechanics of the game for me that really kind of solidifies it as something that's just it's not just adding these elements for the sake of it they're trying to make a point um in terms of adding these um i guess these factors and these limiters because it makes you then have to make harsh decisions. And uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was really interesting for them to kind of add the mental health aspect to it as well, because yeah, just when I try to take anything, um, just like Jacob was saying, it just kind of, it broke everyone. And that just, mm. that just taught me just not to do it in the future. Hmm. Yeah, so the game's kind of being a bit of a... It's being less uh, kind of hands-off about its morals and ethics at that point. Mm. Um, if it if it does lead you down that path. Um, and how did you feel playing it stealthily about the sort of... Because, yes, there's some direct character control in this game, uh, as well as it being this kind of side-on resource management uh, kind of affair. There's also some actual almost platforming as well. You can climb up and drop down and, uh, you know, dig through places and, and yeah you can kind of walk at different paces uh, if you have a crowbar it makes more noise to open up 
uh, locked things than uh, lockpick type affairs do. Um, did you find that the mechanics in this regard were robust? Because obviously this could all, as kind of as uh, the Baboon Baron alluded to, maybe maybe some of the mechanics um, were not quite as strong as, or for him at least, uh, or her, as the the concept and, and the, maybe the balancing of the resources and stuff, which I felt was pretty solid. Like it seemed to be very well um, thought out how much you have of everything and how much of everything is needed. I think they'd done a lot of testing on that, but... But yeah, so the actual video game stuff of walking around sideways and climbing up and dropping down and sneaking, did that all function as as you needed it to? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I I mean, I would make an argument almost that them adding weapons to it and the, the mechanics of being able to kind of fire a weapon is obtuse, possibly on purpose to discourage mm-hmm. you from using that method. Um, yeah. I mean that's and that's also me making a guess. I don't know how to do it in real life either. I mean I know how to point a gun in in a video game, right? But I don't know how you know they do all that stuff with locking safeties. I'd have to learn all that in real life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean possibly. I mean, I mean that's how I felt, and for me, I thought especially using um, pointer controls on the computer, I found that a lot easier yeah. to navigate and to loot, um, and also especially when you're back in your home place. Um, I found it a lot easier to kind of control different characters and get them to do different things using that. So I think that's, for me, I thought the stealth controls worked in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I found the shooting a bit problematic, but I, I do wonder if that was kind of done on purpose. Mm. Yeah, I think there's only there's two kinds of gunner. There's a, you know, a pistol and, a, and, a, and a, uh, some kind of AK, is it? Assault rifle, something like that. Yeah. I, I never got one. I never... I never, in fact, I don't think I fired a gun. Um, Charlotte, you, you were interested in this. Like, um, How much effort did we put into getting a gun versus avoiding combat at all costs? It's an interesting question. Um, guns were, are, are valuable, though there's another bug in certainly in the console versions where if you trade any weapon parts and then uh, do anything else, the game crashes. <laughs> I had that three <laughs> times. Um, I didn't realise what the problem was until I looked it up. Um, so that would be one reason for getting hold of uh, weapons but that's kind of taken out of your hands uh but yeah i i think i got shot twice didn't die from either shot um and never shot a bullet how about charlotte you you mentioned this how about you what was your your mo when it came to guns apart from chasing old men into toilets <laughs> um i very quickly learned just to avoid any sort of characters who seem to be holding a gun and I never really tried to get a gun. I accidentally stumbled across one in the church and just about mm. managed to get out, as I said before. Um, yeah, I very quickly um, learned that it just wasn't worth enga- engaging in combat most of the time. And towards the end, I did start managing to um, survive fisticuffs, but it never really seemed worth it. And also, like like you're saying, there's just so much more better... Um, uses of your energy than trying to master the combat in this game however if you have a gun and you leave it at home and don't take it with your character if if you send somebody out at night that means you're more like because i I would say that one of the most dispiriting elements of this game are are the raids right Mm. when when you come back after a night away and you're you know you're like ah home is the hunter look what i've got for you some tins of peaches and uh and some bits of wood enjoy uh and then 
it there's just a you know a message comes up on screen says we were raided you lost all this stuff oh and two of the people are injured <laughs> it's it's so it's so relentless yeah um, but it, you can mitigate against that a bit right it got to the point where i was being raided every night and i i truly could not figure out you know i was like i had boarded up all all the holes in the house and i was leaving people with weapons and it was just relentless you know it is mm. it is a a part of the kind of progression is you start kind of at a at a neutral and then and then sometimes it's winter and sometimes there is more conflict and in that you just get raided more often but yes. but it really it was devastating and and yeah. one of the kind of interesting and very intentional choices that this game makes is usually in in a game where you're collecting resources you have the very the very basic components and you have to do a lot with them at the start but then you kind of are able to automate them you know i'm thinking about like in minecraft you start by punching trees but 30 hours in you're not punching trees but in this you never got a way to to automate any of that and so at the end of my playthrough i needed wood and and kind of like you know little little bits of machinery just as much as i did at the beginning and so mm. i was i was just going out trying my best to get this and then coming home and having almost as much taken away and and the people who were there in need of medical supplies was yeah truly truly disheartening mm. Mm. so yes in in the uh the, the fictional city of Pogoren in the fictional country of Grasnavia, uh these events uh as yeah as as time passes by this is this game it reminded me of civilization um in a, it's it's days at a time uh and or you know turn it's kind of like a day is a turn and i found that uh even though it was depressing and dispiriting and bleak and miserable and all these things i very much had that just one more day surely today will be a bit better we'll have some successes and even though there were all these things every time it felt like you know, one step forward and two steps back sometimes you'd have a day that felt like two steps forward and maybe one step back and just that was enough to keep you going but even then yes you're you know you think you're making progress and then outbreak of crime is the event you mentioned jacob so yeah basically raiders get more vicious and more frequent uh and that's something you have to go through there is counter to that the curb on crime where you get no raids for a couple of days um and yes there's also the brutality of winter which uh always comes um i think one thing that's really worth saying is the the real siege of sarajevo lasted something 1400 something days in this game and and this kind of really cements the horror of the real life situation equivalent is that you only have to last between 20 and 40 days of the of the 1400 to get to the ceasefire to kind of get the credit roll and feel like you've you've won the game you've beaten this war of mine and then you realize that you know that ceasefire there's in the game it might be permanent but you don't know <laughs> and and that feels like an eternity you know when when i first started playing and i looked it up and it said ceasefire comes you know after 40 days I was like, are you kidding? I, I yeah. can't even make it two weeks, 40 days. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right in that it, it, it drives home the horror and just accentuates it even more so in real life. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, 
any other stories to tell? You mentioned the uh, in terms of having the the children's part of the story, which uh, most people playing this now will have that uh, the the little ones available to them. Um, as I said, I think earlier, just having them, it's you know, it's kind of it's an obvious emotive thing to do, but actually, it's kind of you know, how weren't they there in the first place? In another way, of course, there are children. Um, and as I say, my my personal wish list because it would just make the game that much more fun would be actually the elderly and inform, infirm as being part of your potential um, people you need to look after as well um, to add another layer. Maybe that's come, maybe that's come or coming in the more recent DLCs that I haven't played. It, sure. it is actually in the, in the okay. DLCs. There is, there's a guy who's um, Thank he you. has, he has crutches and he can't walk downstairs. Right. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Charlotte, you were saying about the, the imaginary, imaginary friend of your, of one of your, children what was what was it about that that uh that hit home yeah so in general the children side of it um i found that technically it wasn't executed all that well i had a few problems mm. with um engaging with the children whenever i had them in my party yes. um but um the idea and how it um changed the mood of the game was extremely effective for me whenever they were in my party so um, one of the overnight events was imaginary friend, which really got to me because my first thought was, oh, they have an imaginary friend. That's normal. That's nice. Maybe they chat to them. I don't know. Um, even in The Sims, for example, having an imaginary friend, that imaginary rabbit is not a good thing. But for me, for some oh, reason okay. in my head, my brain first went to, oh, this is normal child behavior. And then I thought about it. and I was like, no, the, the, these children are completely isolated from any sort of normal existence. So this is what they're having to do to cope. And it was other things like um, kids wetting the bed. I don't, I, I don't know, like in a way it is things that happen with children outside of a war situation, but just the thought that the children were so traumatized that yeah. this was happening was just mm. very upsetting um for me and and like i said earlier the whole thing that the kids uh, when you read their biographies they clearly aren't as like the adults as you read their biographies it's always about how miserable things are whereas the yeah. kid a lot of the time at least and with the kids it's always like they don't quite understand what's going on all of the time yeah. so yeah. it brought a new perspective to things that um just this idea that um some like the younger people might be not realize that they might not go back to a normal existence depending on what yeah. happens after the ceasefire or if there's a ceasefire at all yeah absolutely children haven't uh, lived so much life and haven't necessarily been told of what to expect from their existence at this point and um and they take things more in their stride and they they resist against change in a different way or especially you know if, if adults are around them telling them things are going to be all right then then they they tend to try to to believe them it's to their benefit um yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um yeah and so different characters have yeah different levels of sympathy as well so that um yeah the whether others around them are happy or not has a, has a big effect on them and that kind of thing um yeah and i was going to say the one of the things that i th actually thought was maybe a slight video game technical shortcoming was the uh, but actually still very worthwhile was the the children often need interaction they need a hug they need some they need to play um and I, I, there perhaps weren't enough of the diff the, the different kind of interactions between the adults and the children the children actually have plenty of different things that they can do they can go off and draw 
Um, they can play, they can build a snowman in the winter. Uh, but there was a lot of, um, you know, attention seeking from children, completely justified and legitimate, obviously. But um, but when that happened, I think there's only a, there's a, they can play rock, paper, scissors. Uh, they can do hand clapping game. There's a storytelling. I'm not sure there's more than that. I may have forgotten some. Um, my my darkest moment in in the game came came with you know with with the children where um in in one of my run throughs I'm a I'm a chronic restarter you know if I feel like things oh, okay. aren't going well like it's just like oh well, next time I'll do but I was I was kind of determined to like even if everyone dies I'm just going to just gonna go through this. Um, and, and I had just like one person left and then, uh, an old man and his grandson showed up at the door and, and was kind of life-saving because, because if you only have one person, you know, you, you really can't do anything. Um, yeah. and then someone else showed up and so it seemed like we were rebuilding, but the, the kid was just, I, I mean, just chronically depressed and, and, right. you know, despite all my best efforts, he just spent the whole day crying and I felt like, you know, every adult mm. just had to kind of be continuously coming up to him and, and reassuring him just mm. kind of just because, um, and, and eventually, you know, we were talking about the character sympathy states in the back of my mind, I was like, maybe he'll die, you know? And, and like, then I will be able to do things and he will be one less mouth to feed and whatever. Wow. And, and yeah. it is genuinely horrifying that I thought yeah. that and, and was, was so kind of like disgusted with myself even for it. But it was, it, I was truly in that place for, for that moment. And we just kind of kept limping along with, with this kid in tow until we ultimately reached the ceasefire. But boy, it was, it was dark times. I think that's a beautiful, just microcosmic example of where games can sell an idea or an experience that no other medium can. Mm. Because you're actually thinking about the the outcome. It's not a story that's already been written. It's, it's kind of your mistakes in some ways, or at least your your lack of perfect min-maxing gameplay that has led to this situation. But now you're almost thinking, yeah, one less mouth to feed potentially and the ability to do more stuff. And then there's the guilt that comes with that, even though that you know that this person is just zeros and ones and some and some computer code. Um, that's, that's extraordinary stuff. And it's actually, I was going to say to, to Wayne, obviously you, you know, Warchild's name is on this game. There's a relationship there. Mm. Is there... Uh, and I assume that there there was um, there would have been you know a long engagement between the organisation and the developer along the lines before any kind of official tie-in was made. In terms of, but you wouldn't obviously Warchild would not want to be associated with anything that kind of got things horribly wrong or or, mm. or you know misjudged the tone or trivialized war you know in 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 any way you were saying about the depiction of of children in war child assets mm. being positive the game arguably does it almost contravene that is, is it on the on the cusp of that because obviously we see them depressed we mm -hmm. see them they're kind of i mean you can't really see exactly what clothes people are wearing but mm. there's a general sense of rundownness and tattiness isn't there yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's so 
Warchad has obviously a certain amount of control in terms of what it, well, it has complete control in terms of what it puts out. Um, but I think it's also important to realize that there are some visuals that other people put out that are really powerful and that we yeah. uh, we will work with that type of um, content if we think it's uh, overall has a point to make. Um, just one random example is, I'm not sure if any of you guys remember, but I think it was in 2016, there was this um, video of a boy being pulled out of the rubble. And that's typically mm. not an image that we would um, kind of push, but it created a moment yeah. and a conversation um, in the media. And it was important that we were part of that conversation. And I think in a not too dissimilar fashion, I think the Little War, uh, the the Little Ones DLC kind of mm. mimics that in a sense in that it's telling their side of the story. And it's sometimes it's not all kind of happy and, and, and positive. Sometimes for us to get to that point, you've got to actually be aware of what, what these children have gone through. Um, I mean, in terms of War Child's participation um, with it, so they had worked on this DLC before I joined, but um, I know that they researched heavily um, for the Little Ones expansion. Um, I think they kind of, they spent a good amount of time kind of looking at um, uh, reading articles and, and memoirs and memories from children who've been affected by war. Um, they were also, interestingly, because you guys were just talking about the kind of the long term, um, they looked at a lot of long term effects that uh, war has mm -hmm. post conflict. And you can kind of see that in some of those scenarios and some of the, uh, the, the ways that kind of the games kind of played out for, for all of us. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that they took that into consideration. But I think in terms of um, the way that they depict children, I think it's a really honest depiction. And I think, yeah, I, I completely agree with Charlotte. Like, I love that idea of the imaginary fr um, friend part. Um, I can't, I think in my scenario, when I played through that, I think no one really kind of survived for it. But I was quite interested to hear um, and find out what would happen if that's something that can be, quote unquote, solved um, or fixed through um, kind of the time playing through the game, because those type of effects are very long term. And uh, it's not something that you can just solve by giving the child like a teddy bear or whatever other yeah. things you can give them. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's a really, it, it succeeds in portraying um, the effects of war on children and also on adults in a really complex way, which I think is something that is actually in the last um, couple of months, I'd say, has come into the public discussion a lot more. For example, in the UK, there's been this discussion over how comic relief um, approaches mm. showing uh, children in um, in um, more deprived in areas of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a discussion that we're having more and more lately as to how you get people, for example, to donate to charity, whether it's appropriate to just show the mm. absolute worst um, yeah. of the situation rather than showing a more balanced and honest portrayal that doesn't say, oh, everything's happy, um, mm. you know, brilliant. You know, obviously that's not productive, but also to show things in a humanizing way. Mm. And I feel like the mm. game does that really, really well. I think it's a balance, as you say. I think there are times when it's appropriate to kind of show the realities of war, but then sometimes if you've kind of, 
drummed in for like 20, 30 odd years, the same kind of depiction of people who have been uh, affected by war or conflict, then that then starts to either great or it also becomes commonplace to people and they don't kind of get as engaged um, uh, as they were or as they did previously. So I think it, I think it is important to kind of change the messaging when it's appropriate, but um, I think, I think this game, I think it would be very difficult for them to have shown the happier side of, of um, conflict on children. I, I think that would have been difficult for them to kind of put that across in the context of the game. And unless there was a, a mode to kind of see what the game plays out post conflict, post, um, post ceasefire, um, then that yeah. would, that could be something interesting. Um, yeah. Well, mm. unfortunately it gives you those bios post ceasefire. And so mm, I know yeah. that yeah. my child who lived through, uh, went on to join an extremist group. Right. And so, yeah, oh. it felt like a, a very sad ending for something <laughs> that I really struggled yeah. to get to. Wow. Yes, none of the, I, obviously I haven't seen all the characters uh, post ceasefire stories, but none of the ones I have seen were particularly encouraging. Did anyone see anything that actually, I think there were some slightly more positive ones about, you know, going on, choosing to work with uh, charities or, or, you know, groups of survivors and stuff, but a lot of it was, you know, they never got over it, basically, and they lived with PTSD and addiction and, you know, and whatever else um, you might expect, which, again, you know, I think it's a, it's a realistic uh, sort of illustration of, 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 the, of that type of scenario, perhaps. But I suppose that what we one thing we should address really is that um, we've kind of already alluded to it, that this kind of game is the antithesis of what a huge amount of gamers or you know humans want to do with either their gaming time or their spare time in general mm. the win state is a very hollow feeling thing it i mean it was to me it was a massive relief and i was you know I was super pleased we got i got there so that i felt that i could come on this show and present it and say you know i won <laughs> i won the war no i didn't you know it's there's it really doesn't feel like that it's just like and then you read those bios and it's like, mm. I mean, correct <laughs> um, me if I'm wrong. And that's, that's it's uncommon. But doesn't the, Sorry, to man. me, it felt like that the win scenario was not too dissimilar to the lose scenario. Um, right. It's, it's not that mm. different. And maybe that's another point that the developers are trying to make in that there are no kind of winners in war. But um, yeah, mm. and I, yeah, it's an interesting decision to kind of not give too much kind of like positive or uh or happy kind of endings um i think they i i want to say they did that on purpose but uh without asking yeah. them it's hard to tell i think you're probably right jacob uh you know you're you're a young fella you don't mind us saying you're i think you're the youngest <laughs> on the crew these days um obviously you know you're extremely intelligent thoughtful uh young human being as well but um maybe Perhaps you're the closest to the age of somebody who this is just me being ignorant, and naive, really. But um, maybe it's not so long ago that I'm sure you were always a smart kid, but maybe you'd have been playing games purely for funs not that many years ago. Sure. Um, and would, you know, would, would it would do you think you it would have surprised your, say, 12 year old self? 
that you would get so much out you know that that someone anyone would want to play a, a play a game like this well you know it's a it's an interesting question because people do people watch schindler's list you know like we we have great capacity for for absorbing art that is <laughs> that is fundamentally just kind of depressing yeah. um, portraying human unpleasantness yeah i think at its worst i think one of the interesting things about this game is it it doesn't it doesn't kind of try to to hide that that sadness at all which is which sounds weird but someone else mentioned like spec ops the line earlier in this which very much presents as like a kind of normal happy-go-lucky military shooter and then subverts your expectations and in this you know what you're in for you know before you before you even buy it um on the art yeah and the name yeah. yeah and so i i wonder if this kind of media is only making it to people who were already inclined to kind of yeah. seek out these kind of stories versus yes you know something that kind of hides the message a little better and so it mm. can maybe disseminate it a little bit wider that's really interesting you mentioned schindler's this there and it, it always struck i went to see that at the age of 21 or whatever i was when it came out and uh, i was already a spielberg fan having grown up on his family friendly movies and I thought Schindler's List was, you know, pretty great, suffered a little bit from um, his sentimentality in a couple of places, uh, was fairly, uh, fairly accurate adaptation of, of Schindler's art, the book, but it, it took a few liberties. But overall, I was thinking probably mainly the people who go to see this are the people who don't really need to see it um, and who maybe won't learn so much from it. But the fact that it was Spielberg, the fact that it had so much media attention probably meant that some people who perhaps just even if they weren't you know on the on the evil side of things they were perhaps people that who just didn't engage didn't think about these things truly and perhaps just it opened their eyes up a little bit to you know some of the the horrific atrocities that that humans have been guilty of with a game like this i mean yes it's been on ps plus so i guess some people who might not have been moved to go and buy it have tried it out um but um yeah, again, Wayne, as as you know, as a war child related thing, um, is there? Do you think there's mileage in kind of encouraging folks who wouldn't normally engage with something either of this? Because it, also, it's kind of a niche game genre as well. So it's kind of a niche subject matter, and it's a it's a, a bleak and not necessarily appealing or attractive one. Do you think it's there's mileage in in trying to encourage people to play this do you think there's real value in it mm. um or is this just the kind of thing that exists for the people that it was always going to exist for and you know i mean obviously it sold well it reviewed well mm. but you know have ha- have we gained overall from its existence that sounds harsh but do you, do you see where i'm coming <laughs> yeah from? no totally um i mean without giving too much away i guess in terms of the summary um i do think it's an important title and i i completely agree i think that's a great point about it's it's unlike spec up the line and uh, yeah. other titles that kind of subvertly try and put in a message. Mm. It's very front mm-hmm. and center. Um, yeah. And I think for me personally, this, I wouldn't say this is the type of game that I would normally play. Um, I no. play boss, like, you know, mixture of games um, from puzzles to kind of fighters to adventure, yeah. etc. Um, and I too 
play games mostly for escapism. Um, mm-hmm. So it, for me, it's it, it was quite difficult because I'm just not used to playing this type of strategy style survival game. Yeah. Right. Um, mm. But do I think this has a place? I think, yeah, absolutely. I think it does. Um, in the same way how, like I'm a massive Metal Gear Solid fan, as exa- for example. Right. And there's yeah. a couple of instances, and I know it, that game and series can be very heavy handed in its storytelling. Mm-hmm. But there mm. are some instances of genius um, within them where they'll kind of hint towards um, PTSD. Um, there's a lot of hints yeah. in Metal Gear Solid 2 around um, child soldiers, both I think Raiden and Solidus, they're that kind of relationship. Um, and I think I remember in Metal Gear Solid 1, it has a big kind of um, underlying message about uh, nuclear weapons and, and war being bad and those things. And so I think that is, those things need to happen, I think, and it's important that those stories get told within games. And But I don't think you get many kind of purist versions of those type of storytelling um, like this or of mine. I can't think of many other titles. Um, maybe Valiant Hearts, which was by Ubisoft um, yes, a couple of yep. years back. That's, that's mm. also not too dissimilar. And, and actually more recently, um, Bandai Namco's 11.11 Memories 11, Retold, 11, yeah. Yeah, which we also mm. worked um, on with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are there are a couple of titles now that do seem to do it, but it's it's very few and far between, and especially mm. in this genre, most of the time it is a third person kind of action game um, of sorts. So yeah, I think there's definitely a place for it, um, but is it? You know, we've kind of discussed and kind of said how depressing the the title is, and it's not one of those games. And I don't think it's a genre that people are going to be flocking to, especially if you're of younger age but i don't know i mean would the kids now playing Fortnite? with is is this appealing for <laughs> them i don't know i think um maybe the might it might be worth considering whether um there's differences with regards to the media on which which the experiences so for example with a lot of uh, films about war i've watched a lot of films about war and for example um everything surrounding World War II because I was shown them at school and mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine how that would work with a game experience as well because schools are still catching up with using games as a sort of instructional material yeah. and mm-hmm. also I feel like with games people are less likely to just go into a game if they're feeling like with me it was hard to play this game sometimes because I just felt uncomfortable with how interactive the experience was Whereas right. with a film, you can sort of sit back and absorb the message, I guess, where with the game, you have to sort of get more actively involved. So I guess maybe that might serve as a bit of a barrier. I'm not sure whether it might be worth um, encouraging people if they feel that level of discomfort to just watch a Let's Play at first to sort of get themselves used to maybe mm. absorbing the message so that they can wean themselves into having to engage more actively with the experience. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. That's interesting. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. It might it may be that it is actually a bit. It's a bit much. We were we were talking about you know Jacob's experiences there of the choice. You know that having those awful thoughts. You know the the game makes you have those awful thoughts. Whereas being that one step removed, watching somebody else play it, at least they're guilty of thinking. You know, I hope that child dies soon so the adults can have a <laughs> have a meal. 
Um, I mean, it's not it's it's not ideal, way. and it's kind of coming from a privileged point of view where you're saying, "I don't want to feel all these feelings. Let somebody else feel mm. those feelings." But it's it's a step in the right direction, you know. Yeah, if somebody sure. watches a let's play instead of jumping straight in. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't think there's any point. I don't think there's ne- any benefit necessarily in um, not exercising that privilege and going, "I must suffer because other people suffer." I don't think that necessarily um, gets you anywhere. Maybe maybe others would disagree. Um, Alex79 UK from the forum says, I remember getting really into this for a couple of weeks and then never really going back. It was a really interesting game and one I still have installed both on my phone and my PS4. Really good sense of atmosphere, very oppressive. I'd like to see a much more expanded sequel, I think, as the game had a lot of potential but ultimately became quite a repetitive gameplay loop. I remember feeling very tense sneaking around houses, though, whilst the occupants slept upstairs and feeling awful, stealing medication after being begged not to. There you go. Um, yeah, the on you mentioned the Let's Plays there. I watched some videos as well, um, partly just to learn a few of the mechanics and things. So again, yeah, effectively cheating, seeing how the, uh, the people who are more familiar with the game perhaps had more time dealt with it. Uh, Alex mentions a repetitive gameplay loop there. And one of the things, again, the, this sort of ties in with a little bit with what we were saying earlier about the practicing the game and getting good and then actually undermining its power to upset and distress you and actually tell its story. You can really, uh, based on what, what I've seen and read in hint, hints and tips pages, you can massively min-max this game. I don't know you, that you can ever get it to a state where you will have the easiest time of your life. Like, is, is there a way of, like, I think you can pretty much optimise your run through this game. There's, there are certain random elements in terms of when they happen, but I think you can, not just by tweaking the scenarios at the start and giving yourself an easy ride by making the winter less severe and, and the war shorter and all that kind of thing, but just by knowing the first things to build. You know, like the first time I played, I didn't, I didn't know what the most important things to have were. I didn't know that a crowbar was really important. I didn't know that beds were important. I mean, you know, I kind of worked some of this stuff out several days in, by which time you're already on the back foot, right? So when you start a new game, you start thinking about that. But now, of course, people being people, gamers being gamers, YouTubers being YouTubers, Twitchers, whatever, they've worked out the kind of optimal path through the game. Um, And do you think, just as a pure video game, as a ludological experience, does this game have enough to it to warrant that kind of level or, of in, or that type of engagement? It is, it is incredibly slow. Is <laughs> one of one of the kind of overbearing right. feelings that I had, and and maybe that is because I wasn't min maxing appropriately. But I just yeah. can't imagine playing this as as kind of a a game that i was interacting with on a mechanical level because Mm -hmm. you have so much just waiting of of you know characters take time to build things and everyone needs to sleep Mm. and and all of this um and so it doesn't feel you know i'm not sure how rewarding it would be but at the same time i've i've been on the subreddit and seen pictures that people it's like I don't know. I don't know what war people are talking about. Everyone's sitting on chairs <laughs> playing guitar. And so like clearly some people do get a lot out of yeah. out of kind of like winning the scenarios. Um totally, but, it's, yeah. but it's not something that I would really ever attempt. 
yeah, that's exactly what I've seen. That kind of you can really beat this game to the point that everyone's hu- no one's hungry, everyone's happy, no one's depressed, everyone's got enough cigarettes, everyone's got enough coffee. Uh, we don't get raided at night because we've all got AK-47s because <laughs> we've gone to exactly the right piles of rubble and we've put exactly that and we've traded with the right people and we've helped all the neighbours who have come but not the ones that might get us in, in trouble. And yeah, so you can you can kind of win at this game. And I suppose maybe maybe there is a there is an engagement with that in the sense that these people have empathized with the you know they've got to know all these characters and the character portraits and they've wanted to make them as happy as they can be within this little digital miserable digital world it's a curious one but not probably not the way i play games anyway yeah <laughs> but it's kind of it's like the total other end of the spectrum to what we were saying about the first game being the, the most important in a way and the most authentic like going to the complete other end and breaking this game and making it almost a happy experience. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. So we mentioned the little ones quite a bit, uh, which, as I say, was part of the, the console package and then put into the PC game later on. Um, Jacob, you said you know a little bit about some of these DLCs. Maybe you've done a bit more research on these. So we've had Father's Promise. Uh, that was 2017. Um, the last broadcast has been quite recently, and and then there's a new one imminent, I believe. Does anyone know any more than that? Um, well, I, so I've played through both of them. I don't, I oh, don't cool. think that the the third one has been announced yet, or or certainly not oh, released. Okay. Hasn't got a name. Yeah. Um, but they're they're really interesting because they are they are story driven, but they have kind of the same mechanics. And so in the first one, okay. your your father and and you have a child who's sick and and so you're kind of you're going out and scavenging and doing similar things but like with the express purpose of you know i need medicine i need things and and because of that they've kind of lessened some of your other burdens you know you Mm -hmm. you actually have you have like a heater already and you've got kind of enough food for yourself or you don't need to sleep as much um and and in the last broadcast as i said one of the characters is you know his his leg was was broken or something and so he can't leave the he's on kind of the second story of a building and and can't leave that at all but what he's doing is broadcasting radio messages out to the rest of the city and Mm. and then the other character his i think his wife maybe i i think so um it is kind of going out at night and and there you kind of collect stories and then you give them back to him and you kind of make a decision of like it is endangering us to say that you know the the military killed a bunch of people here or there's you know free water here but you know this feels like a very important social duty um and so there's some choice making and whatever, and I found them in in a lot of ways much easier to play through because there was such a kind of right. end goal in mind. Um, yeah. But as we've talked about, I'm not actually sure if that makes the game better because mm. because this is not supposed to be an easy to play through game. Um, so if anyone wants to just dip their toes in it, I would I would really recommend them, but I don't think that they give you the the full this war of mine experience yeah 
I feel like the purest way to play it is to play kind of random, play custom random scenarios, mm-hmm. um, which I think mm. you can do, can't you? So mm. you get you get a selection of characters, and you don't know how the yeah if if you can set it so can you set it so it's random so you don't know how long things are going to last, but it's not a pre a prescribed scenario. I think that would be ideal. I'm sure, you can on PC if not on console. Simon Sloth from the forum says, This war of mine is terrible. By this, I mean bleak, disturbing, and because it made me question my own morality. Be it Mass Effect or a Telltale Adventure, I generally try to think what I would do in the given situation. If there's a binary choice of good or bad, I will opt for the positive outcome. Video games are about escapism, but for me, they are putting myself in an interesting situation and thinking, what would I do? My Shepherd my Lee, and now this war of mine. Unfortunately, the game forces you to make difficult choices, and each time I roleplayed as myself, my house got invaded, and my three survivors soon succumbed to their injuries or hunger. I could not bring myself to rob the elderly couple, Charlotte, or the homeless men (laughs) who were like me just scraping by. I decided on one playthrough recently to try and overcome my natural desire to do no harm. I killed an elderly couple and stole all their food butchered some hobos and stole theirs. I turned away survivors who wanted to join our struggle, and I was generally awful, but I survived longer than I ever had. I died stupidly in another greedy, self-indulgent moment, and I deserved it. I haven't gone back to the game. I can't be the person it wants me to be, and as far as my experiences go to win, you have to be awful, and I can't do that. If the world of this war of mine ever becomes a reality for me, I won't do very well at all, and that to me, is better than destroying my own morality, which I hold dear. I hope others do as badly as I. That's a really great piece of correspondence, but it actually rather goes against what you guys were saying about being bad is punished, but maybe the game is balanced such that it can go either way. I'm not sure about it. I mean, everything feels, yeah, just on a tightrope, like a little bit to either side can can really throw you off. So I totally believe that that he was not able to make it through without you know or or maybe he has a kind of higher expectation of morality than than what we are defining as such <laughs> there's also a board game uh now we don't cover analog on pain and rinse but sometimes when there's a tie in something I, we like to mention it uh so uh, i don't know um anything about it i don't really do analog gaming but if you're interested it might be a it's a cooperative game for one to six players um it's another it's polish as well uh, and it's based on the video game uh, you have to resolve many deeply emotional situations provided by a, a unique book of scripts an entirely new way to introduce storytelling and rpg elements into a board game says the pr uh, the brutal realism of this war of mine the board game is further enhanced by managing the shelter a ruined building where the players are hiding you have to craft search through the rubble or even dig into the collapsed cellar it's completely up to the players. So yeah, it sounds faithful. Uh, any of you analog gaming fans? Can't say I am. <laughs> no. Sometimes. I'm definitely Sometimes. gonna check it out. Okay. Uh, we also have a small selection of three-word reviews. Uh, team, let's go with uh, Charlotte and Alex to start. Alex Dola says, "War the horror." Gameolitikos says. Please don't die. Nice. 
Barlow says, oh God, why? James Thespi says, real survival horror. The Tiege says, Metal Gear, survive? Clever. Good stuff. Uh, so, yes, to summarise, would we recommend it? What was our experience like? I'll start. Uh, I may have played it the least. I may know the least about it, but um, it's one of those that, uh, it's, yeah, it's an, it's an odd and unusual experience. Rather than power fantasies, it's a completely disempowered fantasy, uh, unless you play it the, the min-max way, I guess. It's very curious to find yourself uh, on a, you know, on a, on a nice afternoon where you might normally be jumping Mario about um, some magical course or, uh, I don't know, playing golf or, or driving a cool car. You're uh, taking a sketchily drawn character to uh, a place to do some sexual favours in, 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 in return for some chicken. Um, it's kind of, that's kind of what it is. Um, It'll stay with you. And yes, like uh, rather like the Baboon Baron, even though it's not exactly a game you can say, this will be fun, you'll have a fun time playing this. Um, I think there is value to it both as an experience and as a, yeah, as a learning tool really about, or just, uh, yeah, an empathy tool. Like, I don't think anyone would suggest that it in in realistic ways simulates the situation that it portrays but it's more about conveying the ideas of that situation and for me it did that quite well and quite powerfully it even made me think of a few things that perhaps i'd not really considered uh, before about such a horrific scenario coming to pass um and yeah just really making me realize how utterly incapable i would be if it did um that doesn't mean i'm going to turn into a survivalist and learn how to hunt and shoot and uh, and all that i'd probably just quit quit it um so <laughs> that's a rather down note to leave it on but uh but yes uh if you if you do have access to this i do recommend at least playing through it that once and even if your first game is brief and miserable i think you'll have still got something out of it charlotte so um, this was far from a polished experience for me in terms of the usual things we think of with gameplay and um, technical side of things. But really, I'd still 100% recommend playing the game because of the experience and because of the ideas that it very successfully conveys. Um, I would say that um, you sort of need to prepare yourself mentally going in because it's mm. very hard to stick with so um and also give yourself breaks as needs be to sort of um manage to get through the experience and what i found with this game though is that um quite unusually the things that stuck with me most is not what happened to me and my characters in the game but rather what the game drove me to do so the thing that i'm i got um <laughs> got mentioned throughout the podcast of me beating mm. up the old couple really stuck with me and yeah. um also just the thing the things that you end up doing within the game to to survive and to live for another day um and something that i didn't get brought up as well was that um sometimes if all of your characters are really depressed you have no choice but to just cuz when they're depressed they don't yeah. do anything you've just got to yeah start another day and just mm -hmm. hope that ceasefire comes so it's moments like that that really stuck with me 
um, mm. from this game. And I feel like it gave me a new perspective and it, it challenged my, um, my thoughts on war. Because as I kept saying, it, it, especially the, as I keep saying, the children's side of things, mm. realizing that people's, people's pasts and people's personalities and people's attitudes to things don't change overnight as soon as a war is um announced so yeah i'm I, I had a really tough time playing this game but i'm very very glad that i finally did and um it's been very hard to talk about this game in many respects because it's just such a difficult topic to talk about but i hope i conveyed my thoughts eloquently kind of <laughs> absolutely absolutely as always jacob how about you yeah this is this is a tough one because i I mean, I genuinely hated much of playing the game just because of, you know, I felt the experience of this war of mine was was just dragging myself forward. You know, every every day I felt like was was the last day and and every every decision I made, you know, felt like it could potentially get everyone killed. And I, I enjoyed very little of it. But I absolutely think that's the intent, and and I could not have more admiration for the developers because I think they achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve with mm. this game. Um, you know, in in terms of its its use as as a as kind of an anti war <laughs> vessel, or or mm. you know, as kind of encouragement for for people to take part. I'm not sure because it's so hard to to even get over that first step of getting into the game. Um, but but just as a piece of art, I have just tremendous respect for it. Wonderful, thank you. And to conclude with our guest Wayne. Yeah, so I guess not too dissimilar to everyone's kind of opinion so far in it that I think that it is an important game to play. I think even if you do only play it once and the scenario that you end up with is a failing scenario, <clears throat> I think you still get something from it. Um, and yeah. I think, I think there is kind of replayability, especially um, I'm not sure if I can't remember if I saw it on the PS4 version, but at least on the PC version, there's like various um, customizational um, modes uh, that you can go back. And yeah, yeah. There's That's like there. another try mm. mode. And there's, I think it's also linked to Steam Workshop as well. So you, there are kind of custom yeah. scenarios. Um, so I think game-wise, if you kind of ignore all the kind of the messaging around, I think there's a lot of content there to go back to. But I think it is, a, I think it can be quite difficult um, to get yourself mm. in the right mindset to play it. Um, the game it kind of reminded me of most recently is a game called Doki Doki um, uh, Panic, which is actually no, not Doki Doki. Ducky Panic. That's the uh, that's Super Mario that's Brothers. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> it's a literature club. That's what it was. Yeah, uh, right. so I know the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in that, it's a game that you don't really want to go back to once things kind of go sour. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's I think it's an important title. I think yeah, um, obviously what uh, Eleven Bit tried to do is I think important, um, and I do recommend people to go uh, and give it a go. It is free if you have access to PlayStation Plus at the time um, when it was available 
and it is relatively cheap um, on yeah. Steam, uh, and I'm pretty sure across various other platforms. Um, it's kind of except Switch, probably except Switch <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, it's probably at full price on on Switch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do kind of recommend it, and that's not just saying uh, coming from someone who um, works with the developer. I do think it's an no, absolutely an interesting title, um, and not everyone will will probably appreciate it for everything that it's trying to do some people might find it a little bit too depressing um mm. but i do think it's worth giving it a go uh and just seeing how far you get and i think even if you just have one negative experience with it i think you'll still get something from it positive experience from a negative one yeah positive. or you could just play doki doki panic and have a good time <laughs> uh, um so yes, Wayne. In that case, uh, where can people go to to find more about uh, Warchild and Warchild Gaming, and uh, or even you know contribute, donate, whatever? Um, best place if you want to follow everything we're doing in regards to gaming is our Twitter account. So I think it's Warchild um, underscore Gaming, um, and there we kind of post about all of our upcoming um, gaming campaigns. So hopefully not to date this recording, but our next campaign is Replay. Uh, which is all about retro gaming, um, and we're going to be doing a number of uh, cool things associated with that, with like live streams. There's going to be um, in-game items in in various games I can't talk about, um, yep. etc. And uh, but if you want to just kind of find out a little bit more generally about what Warchild does, uh, you can go to the website, which is warchild.org.uk. Absolutely brilliant. And yes, you can, if you follow our Twitter as well, at Caden Rince, we'll be uh, continuing to share and promote all that we can from War Child uh, as our relationship continues to blossom. And maybe next year uh, we'll do 11 11 and have you back on, Wayne. That would be cool. Amazing. It remains for me then, Leon, to thank Charlotte Jacob and Wayne Emanuel from War Child, as well as our correspondents, uh, Editor Jay, and to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, or best of all, you enjoy what we do and the time we put into it and so on and so forth patreon.com slash cane and rinse or just head over to warchild that would be just as good after this one uh, get every cane and rinse podcast one week earlier if you join our patreon usually extended beyond the two hours for the free show and that exclusive monthly podcast with me and jay which is kind of a full-blown thing now and Next time, in issue 364, we take to the Mode 7 skies of Nintendo's fun flight sim, Pilot Wing. Mm-hmm.